The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. G'day everyone, I'm Macca19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, live on Port Fan Radio. Joining me once again is Porsche. Ah, what a relaxing weekend of football that was, Macca. How good was it? It was just really enjoyable, you know, like we've got a... Uh, a unique prelim coming up. We've got is it, uh, GWS is going to be hosting the Western Bulldogs, so we yep. don't have to worry about those smug Hawthorne pricks anymore. <laughs> um, and the Crows lost, and, um, you know, all is right with the world. That's it. It's going to be two great finals this week. It's almost going to be uh, like the King and the mm. Apprentice coming up. Two finals-hardened teams in uh, Sydney and Geelong, and then, uh, you know, two young sides in GWS and uh, and the Dogs. And... Um, no matter what happens, it's going to be a pretty interesting grand final. Yeah, I've got to say that that layout of it probably makes it look a bit like 2007, dare I say it, um, in that I think everyone would say that like, the Geelong Sydney one is sort of the equivalent of what that Geelong Collingwood one, and then yeah. there was the weak side of the grand final draw, which was us versus North, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I, you'd have to say, like, you're being reasonable. I think you kind of have to think that that's probably how it is, is that the winner of um, Sydney Geelong is probably going to win the premiership. They'll definitely start favourite to whoever wins that one, but uh, it's going to be a big story anyway if uh, GWS gets through for their first ever grand final and, um, yeah. and Dogs their first grand final since, uh, what, 1961 or something? So, <laughs> Plenty long time. It's a massive time. Huge time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and look, I mean, the Dogs side, it's quite an enjoyable side. It's, oh, they it's play okay. good footy, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it's entertaining. Yeah. Absolutely. And look, uh, Hawthorne's premiership run is uh, temporarily over at least and uh, the dynasty ends, um, you would think, with four consecutive grand finals and uh, and three flags in a row. Uh, I guess my uh, question is, where would you rank them against uh, Brisbane, um, who famously won uh, the three-peats uh, from 2001 to 2003? Um, well, they're better. And the reason they're better is that outside of those... Yeah, well... You see, this is the thing, like, the way I would rate them is that Hawthorne have done it with a changing list. Like, Brisbane were good, but they were good for three years, Mm. you know? Um, Whereas Hawthorne have been good for a while now. Uh, They haven't been making grand finals every year, but they've been pretty close a few times, you know? Uh, And the winning premierships, uh, they're a better club. There's no doubt about that. Um, because as much as they've taken this little dip this year, I mean, we all reckon they're probably going to contest again next year, you know. They're going to have to replenish at some point, there's no doubt. For but sure. if they can keep their off-field staff together, um, who knows? Um, and hopefully maybe they won't keep their off-field staff together. <laughs> maybe that could happen. <clears throat> well, uh, you almost half expect they'll be back for one last crack next year with uh, with Mitchell and Bergwijn and, and Hodge and... Yeah, you know, if they get in um, O'Meara and, and a couple of other players that they're uh, that they're sort of linked with, um, you know, they're, they're probably right for one more crack to uh, to make a bit of history. But yeah, I don't know. I think the Brisbane side was probably better um, right across the park. But I, I back in Hawthorne to be honest. I think Brisbane obviously had the luxury of a much larger salary cap, which allowed them to uh, not only keep all their team together, but it also allowed them to improve it as well. Like they got in Carousella who uh, famously had to leave Essendon due to their salary cap issues after their one premiership um, mm, in that mm. uh, that great year in 2000. But, you know, Hawthorne haven't had that luxury and you know, they lost their best player to free agency as well and still won three in a row. So I think that's a that's a pretty mighty effort. But um, I'd actually still probably have Geelong um, better than both of them, to be honest. They're, they're certainly the most dominant side I've seen um, in the modern era, at least. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I tend to agree, um, if only because their brand of football is more dominant. Um, you know, like you think about Hawthorne, and I, I guess this is might, might be a warped perspective as well because we're Port supporters um, and, you know, we've had a bit more success against Hawthorne than we have against Geelong over the last however many years. But, um, yeah, I think Geelong one is probably better. Um, yeah. I th- I've I mean, always they felt... basically changed the face of football, really, with their uh, yeah. their high possession game plan, um, 
and the the high interchange, um, you know, they, they basically changed how the game was played for a, for a fair period there. Yeah, that's true. Um, I guess when I'm thinking about Hawthorne, like the whole way through, you sort of looked at their defence and you think, yeah, they're okay. Um, they're behind an excellent midfield. Whereas I think even Geelong, like if, if you expose even their forward line in the midfield at Geelong, then their defence was always still really rock solid. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's probably where I would say, if I was going to pinpoint a difference, that would probably be where it would be. Yeah, well, if you were to make a side of the AFL era, I mean, they've probably got two defenders in it, Geelong, in Enright and Scarlett, at least, um, back there um, in defence. So that's certainly right. Yes, I agree. Hmm. All right, moving on. And let's talk about, um, I guess, the big news for Port Adelaide this week so far is uh, we've got our, got our first uh, coaching appointment this off-season, and that's... Um, Former 2004 Premiership Ruckman and uh, an All-Australian Brendan Lay is uh, returning to Port Adelaide to be our Ruck coach over the next four seasons. Um, quite a lengthy contract, Porsche, but um, how do you feel about uh, Big Lady returning? Um, I'm going to split my thoughts in half on this one. Lade returning, fantastic. I think he's uh, was an intelligent Ruckman. Um, I think that we've talked about, you know, Primus Logan... Primus Brogan laid before, and just I think as time's gone on, we've appreciated laid, laid the most because he was the most intelligent of those ruckmen. And if he can yeah. communicate that, then that's good. I guess it's probably good for you because you like Ty Vickery, so maybe he'll bring Ty Vickery yeah. over with him. <laughs> um, I think he's going to Hawthorne on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Now, who knows? It might be the switch. You might go, oh, I can't, I can't ruck with that lady. Well, can you um, try bring Andrew Moore back? You never know. Oh, don't say that. Um, <laughs> But then uh, he might bring marriage over. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but four years for an assistant role, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get why we do these things. Well, what do you feel would be an appropriate length of contract for Brendan Lake? Look, I, because we are actually recruiting him in, I would have said three would be about my limit. And even then, you'd want to have some kind of outs for a new coach or something. Um, I understand he doesn't want to uproot his family, but, you know, it's Adelaide. He's not moving them to bloody Dubai. <laughs> yeah, it's still a big, it's still a big thing to uproot your family, move to a different state, move your kids out of schools and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I uh, think, you know, three would have been fair enough. I would have probably preferred three, but, um, um, four doesn't really bother me, not for a ruck coach. I think that's fair enough and... I think he's pretty highly rated across the AFL, um, his old lady. So oh, I'm certainly happy to have him back. It's it's good to have a, a dominant AFL ruckman as our ruck coach once again. Um, I think Greaves did an all right job in that role. Um, but I think he's moving on to more of a development role, which I think suits him a bit better as well. Um, so I guess there's still the uh, the gap in the midfield. We've got Voss as midfield manager, I think, but um, no one as midfield coach at this point. Yeah, look, obviously the coaching was just in a state of flux. I think one concern I have with the late appointment, and it's not with Laid himself. Oh, here we go. In the uh, in the Spreaker chat, a few have said it is actually three years. Okay, well, if it is three, and then that's I may that's be drunk okay. again, but uh, maybe not. Well, <laughs> okay. three years is perfect then. Let's scrap that. Three years is perfect. What are we talking about? Well, well what I'm going to talk Big about lady. now... What I'm going to talk about now is the fact that it would be good to also have assistant coaches that are ambitious. Um, we have had no best years, I think, on the back of having people in our coaching team that are looking to move up um, and committing to, you know, long-term assistant contracts. There's okay having a few of them, but that's pretty much all we've got on our assistant coaching team right now. We don't really have any ambitious guys that are thinking, I'm going to play coach at the next level. I don't reckon there's a single one on our coaching list that you would say has that bold ambition apart from maybe Bassett. Um, I'm you not sure that Nick's does. Ah, oh, no, I'm not convinced about Nick's. Um, well, whether you're convinced I, 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 about him or not, I, th- I still think he's got aspirations no. to uh, to coach at AFL level. Yeah, but what I'm saying in that regard is that if he does, he would probably have been best served to be considering a different club this off-season, for example, just to show he can get that breadth of experience and that he's not just sort of part of one club. You know, that, that that kind of breadth of experience that is useful to have for a coach of different ways of doing things. Because at the moment, you know, like the only club that anyone will really say Matthew Nix has been involved with uh, at a coaching level is Port Adelaide, and we're not travelling that great. Yeah. Um, so if he really, if he's serious about a senior role, he's got to, 
he's got to get a bit of the, the magic dust on him um, at a successful, successfully run club. Um, so I, that's why I think he maybe isn't too concerned about the top job. If it comes, he'll get it, and if he can, that'll be great. But I don't think that's his aim. Okay, that's fair enough. I like that. Uh, do you think we will appoint another assistant coach before the end of uh, the off-season? Um, yeah. Yeah, if only because, <laughs> I don't know, it just doesn't seem complete at this point, and I'm hoping it's an ambitious bugger, so we'll see. Yes. It could be that we are waiting for finals to conclude. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No doubt. Um, right, well, on to our player reviews. This is the second week of our player reviews this week. Uh, tonight we are discussing the upside. We've named uh, six players that showed a, a fair bit of potential in uh, 2016 and uh, who are hoping for uh, higher honours uh, once again in uh, 2017 and beyond. So we might as well get straight into it and talk about our first player, which is uh, Big DBJ, Darcy Byrne-Jones, who's uh, 20 years, um, third season on the list, he debuted this season and played 20 consecutive games, kicked three goals, averaged uh, 15 and a half disposals, three marks, and two rebound 50s per game. Uh, Porsche, DBJ, was one of the real success stories of the season. Um, how did you see his year? Uh, look, there's only one way to see it, and that is really fantastic. Um, mm. It's good to see uh, any player anywhere on the ground, it's good to see them put in this sort of consistent performance first up. He's come in and he's shown... Not just the endurance, I suppose, which is one of the things he was drafted for, but um, also the focus, which I think is a thing that can very much be lacking in younger players. I think he had pretty good focus uh, for a a 20-year-old player. Um, He didn't get lost too much. Um, He was pretty accountable. He did some pretty smart things along the way, so that that was good to see. Um, But, yeah, look, he should be really proud of himself this year. He's been really good on our side. Uh, And you'd have to say, I mean, I'd reckon he's pretty much locked up a first 22 position permanently, and then it's yeah. kind of just a matter of talking about where he is in that 22. So. Oh, for sure. Mm. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I thought he had a really good year, um, quite a consistent year as well. He was um, he was pretty good for a first-year player, um, playing at AFL level. Um, yeah, he had some really, really good games, uh, especially his start to his uh, career. His first sort of three or four games really set things up, and uh, he had a couple of down games uh, later on in the year, but... Uh, Overall, it was certainly uh, very, very impressive. Um, did you see this coming for Darcy at the start of the year? Nah, nah. Look, I think that as much as anything, the reason why I didn't see this coming for Darcy at the start of the year is because we have ten billion halfbacks, and we were looking <laughs> yeah. at, and we were looking at potentially reducing the number of players we played in defence, which meant the opportunities theoretically could have dried up. But the way it worked out, nah, <laughs> didn't work out that way at all. No, nah, that's for sure. Mm. Um, what impressed you most about uh, Darcy this year? Um, he goes at it and he plays, yeah, look, he, it's, it's hard to tell what team rules are in a team like Port Adelaide at the moment, but he looks like a player that's sticking to them. Like he's not, he's not getting caught up too much in the sort of stupid shorthand pass stuff and all that sort of thing. Like he's pretty direct in how he plays. He's pretty tough in how he plays. And, um, he always seems to be actually looking to do something with the ball when he's got it, as opposed to getting the ball and going, ah. Um, like we, unfortunately, again, we have a lot yeah. of players that seem to do that. So yeah. he, he's been amazingly decisive for a twenty-year-old player. Um, that's what made that's what made Pitar a, a good player, a, a, you know, a highly rated player in my book, and I suppose the pod, podcast's books for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, when he was coming through the ranks, and now he's had a fantastic year. And I think that Darcy Byrne Jones, look, he's in a similar mould. I think if you're going to port player comparison him. He's right up, you're right in that category, I suppose, with Michael Wilson potentially. Although I need to get a bit stronger to really get that role going. But uh, yeah, no, he's. Uh, I think that's probably it. I think he's actually got good core strength for someone his size. I mean, he looks oh, sort yeah. of a little bit weedy and you know, all that. Sort of, but he he can lay a good tackle and, and lay a pretty big hit. And the oh, way yeah. that he uh, he copped that head clash <clears throat> in uh, in his first game against Essendon and then went back and uh, and slotted a goal a couple of minutes later was uh, was all class. I thought and. Yeah, look, I think you're spot on in terms of um, his decisiveness, his ability to sort of gather the ball and know exactly what he should be doing pretty much straight away is something mm. that um, has been lacking from our team in the last couple of seasons. So, um, yeah, he's been a real breath of uh, fresh air um, in that back line. And it's good to see someone so young uh, cement themselves uh, back there. Um, and you've got to say he has really cemented himself in the side as that shutdown small defender now. But um, what do you think is the next step for Darcy? Can he become another 
I guess another sort of Jacob Surgeon and look to create more from the back line? Uh, I'm not really too concerned about that at this point. I think that'll come in time. I don't want him to change into a reboundy defender. Like if he if he does, that's okay. Yep. Um, I want him to be a, I want him to be a player in defence that when the ball comes to him, he doesn't panic and try to palm the ball off to someone else to deal with. I want him to take responsibility for his kick. So if he's good enough to do that, to take responsibility of the possession when it comes his way, then that's probably enough for me. Uh, and then just keep getting tougher, keep getting more accountable, keep getting more annoying and keep getting more Port Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> good call. I like it. Um, what do you want to see from Darcy in uh, 2017? Do you think, or even beyond that, you know, talking about maybe 2019 and 20, do you think he's got some midfield scope there? Um, yeah, look, I mean, again, I'm making the comparison to Michael Wilson and that wasn't a negative comparison before. Like, he, he doesn't compare poorly to him, you know. Michael Wilson, his breakout season was the same age that uh, Darcy Byrne-Jones is now. Yeah. Um, you know, he ran through midfield a little bit. He tagged a little bit. And most of the time he spent in defence and I wouldn't mind seeing Darcy Byrne-Jones do a similar thing. I don't know that there's any need for him to be a full-time midfielder, but, you know, when he's hits his peak, when he's got his good idea of how the game works and he's, you know, physically there and everything's going right, then, yeah, I would have no problem at all if he played some time in the midfield. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that. The thing that I want to see from Darcy in 2017 is a development of what he's already done this year. I don't want to see... I, mm. I hope he doesn't get sort of... Uh, Second year blues, I guess you'd call it, but um, you know, I think he's a, a really important player for us uh, coming forward. Um, he's released guys like Broadbent and Pittard, and uh, and obviously Impey's probably the main one into a bit of a different role as well. Yeah. Um, so that's something which was uh, super important this year. And look, I think him for his own career, he needed to have a big breakout year like this, um, and it's happened. So hopefully, he can grow on that and uh, continue to be. Um, such an important cog in that defence. Yeah, look, um, I think that with MP, like when he was playing in defence, he was okay, but that was never his natural role. Um, whereas it certainly is a more natural role for Darcy. Um, look, yeah, I agree. I agree. It'd be good to just let him keep going on and developing, and um, hopefully he manages to avoid ever becoming the designated kicker or avoids ever becoming the person that goes to a designated kicker. Yep. If he does that, I'm pretty stoked. Uh, I see on Spreaker Chat, Bevan said he's going to lead the team in melee fines next year, which, uh, look, he that's might. That's a good call. I reckon he, that's, uh, he'd be odds-on favourite for that. I think, though, I think that he's, like, again, I'm going to compare him to Michael Wilson again. Michael Wilson... He didn't get fined and suspended anywhere near as much as he should have, and I reckon he, I reckon we might see Darcy in that same category because he just doesn't look like a thug. Yeah, no, it's true. It's it's very true. I still yeah. think back to Michael Wilson, and um, I think it was a game against North Melbourne in '99 at the MCG, and okay. Corey McKernan missed a goal from the goal square, oh like, ran God, into an open so goal, and, and missed it from two, literally on the goal line. He somehow missed it, oh. and Michael Wilson's face, and he was. Almost he's doubled over laughing so at him. Oh, I'm pretty I'm, sure that's on YouTube. I'm pretty sure that's on so YouTube. Oh, I that hope was... it's on YouTube. It's I'm one of the funniest sure. things you, you're ever going to see on a footy field. Honestly, that yeah, absolutely. I'm actually going to Google it right now because I just need to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Pity we lost that game, but um, yeah. Yeah, I know, but that was just, he was so was into it. It was, mm. it was absolutely brilliant. Oh, I can't find it. Oh, bugger it. Um, yeah, so if anyone's got it on video out there, that'd be really great if you put it on YouTube. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, on to our second player. It's uh, Logan Austin, who's uh, 21 years old. It was his second season on the list. Uh, debuted this year and played 11 games through the back half of the season. Uh, averaged eight disposals, two marks, uh, one and a half rebound, 50s, and 10 one percenters a game. Uh, mm. He also played eight SNFL games for 13 disposals, five marks, and four rebound, 50s. Um, how did you see his form this year? Really good first season. Really, really good. Um, come in basically partway through the year and then he was a fixture after that. You know, he didn't miss much. Um, he is our future number one back defender, you'd have to say at this point. Um, in three or four years' time, he will be that definitely. Uh, assuming he doesn't piss off to GWS for $10 billion a year or something. Um, you know? Uh, is that, that happening? But... Oh, you never know. He's, well, he's from Velconnen, isn't he? So... You know. Yeah, he was uh, he was a GWS Academy player. That's where we yeah. drafted him from. So, so we but, have to. We can't I mean, they, they've got a lot of options. Oh, I doubt they'd be after Austin at this stage of his career, but uh, nobody. You never know. 
Yeah, yeah, not right now, but when he proves himself, they might be. But anyway, let's worry about that later. Absolutely. For now, he's a good Port Adelaide keyback defender, and that's been really fantastic to see him come out and play some pretty good football. He's frustrated a few guys. It's been really great. And honestly, there's a reason why he's in the upside, and that's why he's number two listed on this particular list, and it's because he has a lot of it. He does. He certainly does. Um, that was actually going to be my next question was, do you see him as a long-term uh, defensive option? And the answer for me is certainly yes. I think he looks like our next fullback, uh, our mm. next long-term fullback. Yep. Um, there's parts of his game that needs to improve for sure, but oh, yeah. for a, a, a young player who was thrust into a, a pretty young defensive group, uh, I thought he stood out um, exceptionally well. And look, made a couple of errors, uh, especially against uh, in some big games against uh, Hawthorne and and uh, maybe North Melbourne as well. He, he had a couple of uh, poor moments, but he certainly had some great moments as well and did some pretty decent defensive jobs throughout the year. Yeah, and I mean, really, that defence we had this year was a bit up and down at times, and young defenders are always going to get exposed. That's just the way of football. Um, but to come out, and like as a 20-year-old, you know, it's not like he's 22 or something. He's not a Toby Thurston's coming on, you know, um, ready to get his life membership in a year's time. He, he's still a very young player. Yeah. Um, so no, he's. I think we can't, his form this year has been fantastic for where he's at. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's mainly been a stopper at AFL level so far, but the thing that's um, really impressed me most at, uh, at SANFL level when I've seen him play there has been his ability to actually perform as that uh, intercept player. Mm. He can really set up from half-back as well. And Do you think he can develop that, um, that side of his game at AFL level? Um, look, I mean, he probably can but we'll need a different team around him for, for him to do it. Um, the reality is that right now, if we're looking at our number one stopper, um, you know, given our current injury list or whatever else, like if we're playing tomorrow, he's our stopper. Yep. Um, it's, it's not Clary, it's not anyone else. It's, it's pretty much him unless it's a shortish guy and then it might be Tom Jonas. So for him to be able to get the opportunity to practice in that role, we need to get at, at another stopper. So I'm not sure that'll happen. Yep. Um, but he can probably do it. For sure. Uh, what do you want to see from Logan next year? Do you, do you uh, think he starts round one as our fullback? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and I think also uh, one of the really good things about Logan is he has the build to be the long-term key position backman as well. Um, so he's got the shoulders, he's got the general frame, and you know he's just going to put, you know, he's going to pack on really good, strong muscles. So he's going to be a really tough competitor in years to come yeah. um, as he gets older. Uh, but next year, absolutely, he's he's got to be there. You know, why would you? Why would you not play him in the first 22? Like, what what could we possibly get that's going to benefit us to not play him in the first 22 next year? Yeah. I, I can't think of a thing. Like, you know, unless we're going to... Unless we, unless Lady's bringing, what's his name, um, Rance with him, you know? Um, nah, that's that's it. Well, I guess the, uh, the thought might be with Homsch back in the side with maybe Trengove going back to defence. Is there there's... a spot for him? Uh, well, Hobbs doesn't play that shutdown defender. That's what we were just sort of talking about. So you know, I, I don't think I don't think Hobbs knocks him out of defence. I think Trengove could if he was going to defence, but I don't know that he is going to go to defence. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he does, it might only be part time. So yeah, for sure. What mm. parts of his game do you want to see improved? Um, oh, I don't know. Focus, I guess. That's probably where he was caught out, but and again, that's just a you know a young player learning the game thing. He's only played what eleven games this year, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hang crap on him about his not not being particularly, uh, not being the most consistent in terms of focusing on his opponent. But that's obviously the skill he's got to develop the most as a that negating backman, and yep. that's really what I think he needs to work on. He's been good, but he can improve. Yeah, no, I thought his defensive work was actually really really good. I think his ability to get in a spoil is exceptional. Yeah, uh, that's, that was probably the key part of his game this year. But as I said before, I, I would really like to see him develop a bit more of a, a bit more of an attacking nous to his game. Um, you know, run off and create. I think he's got pretty good skills and yeah, can do that. Um, as I said at SANFL level, so if he can bring that sort of um, play to his game at AFL level, I think it's just going to be um, all the much better for him and also for the team. I think there's sort of three arms of being a defender. So one is you shut down, the second one is you're creating, like you just mentioned, Macca, and the third one, which I think is probably more important than probably the first two, is team play. And if I'm going to name two of those three I want him to work on, it's lockdown and it's the team play. So by that I mean we, we've we had in the past defenders in our side, tall and small, 
who have become me first players. So if they win their direct matchup, they feel like they're not going to get dropped, and so that's all they really focus on. We can't afford to have players like that in our defence, and we can't afford to let Logan Austin become one of those players. So that's really more than being creating. I want to see him being the guy that when his opponent isn't the one that's being the focus of attention or hasn't the ball coming to him, he's helping out his teammates. That's oh, what I really sure. want him to, That's really what I want to see him work on, yep. and that's the same for all the defenders. <clears throat> Oh, absolutely. Look, that's what, uh, you know, we spoke about Geelong and Hawthorne's defence a little bit earlier, and that's uh, exactly what they do perfectly. And even going back to our own premiership year, you know, with guys like Bishop and, and Chad and uh, and Monty back there and Sean Burgoyne, um, you know, they all worked uh, together exceptionally well as a team and, and helped out each other and were able to intercept and, you know, create um, confusion for the forwards up there. So, yeah, certainly that's, uh, that's what you want to see going forward. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I mean, I'm not the most crickettiest person in the world, so I don't can't attribute this thought or what? say what you're <laughs> crickety cricket person. Okay, I'm not crickety cricketers in always sunny though. Um, but yeah, basically, there's a thing about if you wanted to make the Australian team, you have to be good at two of batting, bowling, and fielding, yep. and that was what made the Australian team really good for a while, is because they were the only ones that actually gave us stuff about the fielding when they were making yep. those selections. And I think that's basically the same thing with our defence, basically. Uh, it's that teamwork, that that stuff that is not necessarily going to be good for one person, but is going to be good for the team. Yeah, absolutely. Right, so third player, uh, just as exciting as Jarman Impey, uh, who's also 21 years old. It was his third season on the list. Um, played 20 games, kicked 15 goals, averaged uh, 12 disposals, nearly four tackles, uh, three marks, three inside 50s a game, led the club in goal assists. Um, how was his 2016? Look, I mean, honestly, I don't know where we're going to improve our membership from here. So I'm not, I'm not sure what we should be expecting from Darwin in the future. But as far as his football, he's, um, he's been pretty consi- He's been pretty good this year. He's been explosive at times, uh, and at times during this year, he looked like he could actually possibly on the verge of elite. Um, that is very glimpsy. It was not certainly something you could say was shown for a whole match. Um, but he has got the talent, and now it's really a matter of the application. But this year, I think, has been a really good year. He's been able to break out of that sort of that stereotype he had last year with, um, as we said, Darcy Byrne-Jones coming on. He can actually play a bit more upfield. And I suppose the terrible, terrible form of Jared Pollock and the injury to Matt White opened up that role upfield to have a crack at it. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with his year this year. I think he should be pretty proud of himself and have a huge off-season. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, you just feel like he's about to go bang in the AFL, and he I could. really, really hope that happens because he's got the potential to be uh, something pretty special. I think, but uh, yeah, I thought he had a really good year. Obviously, had a pretty slow start, had a poor preseason campaign. Uh, his first three games down back were uh, less than impressive. He got dropped, came back in round six against Richmond, and um, and had his breakthrough performance at AFL level. Kicked three goals, uh, looked really good as that running player from uh, from the wing. Um, and also up forward. Also had a massive game against Collingwood as well. One of the best sort of team games I reckon I've, I've seen in a long, long time. Mm. Only kicked the one goal, but uh, had 22 touches and, uh, and three goal assists. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, certainly the best game he's played at, at, uh, at AFL um, level to date. Uh, but he was pretty consistent. There's still parts to, to his game that he needs to work on. Um, but I, I was very happy with his new role, and um, it certainly was a more attacking role, and... Do you think this uh, this suited his skill set a bit more than his uh, defensive shutdown role of uh, previous seasons? Yeah, look, I think so because a huge part of his skill set, in, in respect, or I suppose his talent set, in that way, is basically the fact that he does have that explosive ability. Um, like he's got pace, like he's got legitimate pace, and in a shutdown role, you don't always get to use that. Um, but in that in the midfield where you're going to get turnovers, so if he's playing in sort of like a, a wingish position and this turnover's happening, there's absolutely huge scope for a guy with his running ability and his, more importantly, what we've seen this year is his game-breaking ability that he's, he's shown he actually does have a bit of. Yeah. Um, if our side structure improves, if our coaching improves and we're able to communicate a game plan uh, that involves us having a actual method for getting the ball up and down the ground, he's going to be a, he could be, I should say, a very huge part of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it certainly um, suits his skill set uh, more than his defensive shutdown role. I always thought, even though he was going to start down back, he always uh, sort of trended towards becoming a midfielder. And yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, what's the ceiling for him? Can he become that twenty disposal a game 
you know, game-breaking midfielder, or is he always going to be a, a bit of a prick tease? Uh, <laughs> I think that he can go three ways. He could become that fantastic midfielder that we all hope he will. He could become an, uh, you know, an okay flanker that comes out and has those games occasionally against a big side and a bit more often against a terrible side and then goes missing for a few. Or he could become someone that never puts it all together. Yeah. Um, Brendan Archie was in a similar position, I suppose, this time last year, although I think he probably showed a bit less than Jarman Impey has at this point. Um, and so that's why it's really like this, this, this offseason is the making of Jarman Impey, um, how he applies himself, how he learns his role. Um, and it's, Really, unfortunately for him, in some ways, he's got to rely on his coaches being able to guide him through that, which is hugely important as well. Yep. Um, because, you know, going to, to elite is not easy. Um, and there's not a lot of role models for him to look up to. Yeah. Oh, look, it's, I think it's pretty easy to go from ordinary to good at AFL level. It's still really with, hard. Uh, with talent. <laughs> but to go from good to great, it, yeah. it takes a lot. It takes a lot of hard work, I think. And oh, yeah. I think he's got it in him. I would love to see uh, Jars become that sort of, you know, eighteen to twenty disposal midfielder. I, I would, I really want to see him play on a wing all of next year. Yep. Um, and look, if he can become that player that can pick up that amount of the ball, I think he's most likely to be our first Brownlow medalist. Uh... <laughs> Just throwing it out there. No, because he'll get suspended. <laughs> really? Well, he's, he's got a bit. He's got a little bit of aggro, and if he gets good enough, he's going to be Brownlow worthy. He'll get a lot of attention, and yeah, he'll get suspended for some sort of you know bumper punch or something like that. Okay. That that would be look. If I was, if that would be my most likely reality, given he's a Port Adelaide player. If he was another club, he might be right, but you know that's the way it goes. Yep. Where should he start round one next year? Uh, I think we just said it, on the wing pretty much, yep. although it really depends on, I suppose, the focus of our side. You could say sort of wing half forward, mm-hmm. but it could be wing half back too. Either would be fine. Either would be fine. That's it. Uh, next player, Dougal Howard, big Dougs, uh, mm. 20 years old, second year on the list, another debutant in 2016. He played six games, kicked three goals, uh, averaged eight disposals, three marks, and uh, four and a half hitouts a game. He also played six SANFL games where he kicked uh, eight goals, averaged uh, 14 disposals, six marks, and 16 hitouts a game. Uh, what were your thoughts on Big Dugs uh, this year? Yeah, look, I mean, he, he showed a bit of potential. He's got a long way to go. Uh, I think he's probably, of the guys that we're talking about tonight, he's probably the furthest back of them, and he might be behind a few others that are sort of coming as well. But the, just, these are just groupings. I just want to say... We're getting a lot of we're getting a lot of uh, hit back from the naming of these episodes of the review, like people saying, ah, what about such and such?" And honestly, I'm just wondering whether we're going to get a call from News Limited for baiting <laughs> Port fans, you know, into, into listening to the podcast. Um, but yeah, look, Dougal's he came out and uh, had a pretty good go. Uh, his disposal average is right up there with Matthew Lobby's. In fact, it's probably better per game, so that's good for Ruckman. <laughs> um, he's got potential, but he's still so raw. Um, I yeah. don't know that, like, if we if we were going into next season with him being our number two Ruckman, obviously we're not, but if we were, then he would still be very iffy. Um, he, he can still be leapfrogged by Billy Frampton, or if we pick up another Ruckman, he can still be leapfrogged by him, but he's just got to keep working and keep trying and, more importantly, keep his head, so. Yeah. Mm. Look, he just, um, I, look, he was... Pretty much the surprise packet for me. I, I really didn't yeah. expect him to uh, to do much this year. I, I wasn't overly impressed with his first season. Um, I thought there was a lot to his game that he had to work on. Yeah. Um, and look, he worked on all of them, and um, and he was a real surprise packet come uh, the start of the season, where he had a really good preseason campaign. He impressed everybody at the uh, internal trial at Alberton. Uh, had a great game against Sydney. Was pretty decent against Melbourne as well. Um, and then. Yeah, sort of went back to the SNFL. He got his go against the Crows, uh, played okay that game, uh, went back to the SNFL and, and really started to dominate, I thought, um, as that sort of mobile ruckman. Uh, came back in, obviously had his breakout game against uh, the Dogs at uh, Adelaide Oval, took a couple of really strong grabs, kicked a, a real high-pressure goal on the three-quarter time. And then sadly... Uh, ruptured his ACL against Frio the week after, a week after yeah. his breakout performance and... Just how frustrating was that as a fan and uh, also for the club? Look, it was not great for us. I think that, I mean, as a fan, we probably have 
a more selfish view, which was, like, oh, God, can we not keep a Ruckman on our list? <laughs> um, I think that was probably the main feeling we had. Um, and it looks bad for the young players to have these injuries, but, you know, uh, we talked about Brennan Lay coming back. I mean, he had, what, two full seasons off with broken legs, yeah. different legs. Yep. Um, so it's just unfortunate it's not professional hazard of being a Ruckman, and if he gets mm. him out of the way early, then that's, I guess it's okay. I don't know. It's not okay, but, you know. Mm. It, for me, it was most frustrating because, look, he's finally a young key position player that's showing a bit of promise. Yes, very raw, but he's uh, showing some real promise at AFL level. And bang, he goes down. Just yeah. we've, we've had so many issues in developing our own key position players over the years. Um, and you, you're the guy that looks the most impressive and, uh, and goes down just wasn't, uh, wasn't a great moment. Well, look, I mean, the other thing about him is that he doesn't look as physically ready as a couple of the other guys. Like, I mean, if you're comparing him and Logan Austin, I think Logan Austin has always looked more a bit more rough and ready. Um, and I think that Dougal Howard, he could get there, but it's going to take a lot of work. And yep. that's, I think that's just a, a thing of his build. So we're going to have to cope with that. Yeah, might happen again. Sure. Yeah. Look, he's looked impressive both up forward and as a mobile ruck. Um, what do you mm. think his best role will be in future years? And do you see him settling in one position or will he become sort of like the next Paddy Ryder or, or Paddy Ryder protege and um, be able to sort of swap positions uh, mid-match? Um, I guess Justin Longmuir would be more what I'd be looking towards. Okay. Um, in the, I don't know that he'll have, like Paddy Ryder, like he's a really um, athletic ruckman and I think that, Howard is athletic mostly because of his age and the fact that he is so light, but he's going to have to compromise that. So I think that'll slow him down a bit, but maybe he'll get better at the marking and the, the contesting, and that I think they'll put him in that there's some long year sort of camp. So yeah. um, to be honest, I, I'm not convinced he's got as high a ceiling as a couple of the other guys we're talking about tonight, but I guess we'll see. Um, ultimately, if he just replaces Justin Westhoff when we finally goes, then yeah, okay, that'll be all right. That's fair. Um, mm. Yeah, just on his ceiling, I mean, it's interesting. At the start of the year, I would have said he's probably got the lowest ceiling of the players we're going to talk about tonight, but yeah. he really did impress and um, and show a lot of raw talent that I, I didn't think he had in him um, throughout the year. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens next year. The talk is that he should be available uh, from around about round 8 to 10 next year. Um what would you like to see from Dougal in 2017? I want to see him be physically fit to play all year, um, which is unfortunately something he can't 100% control, um, and just to keep presenting in the SNFL every week so he can maybe get a chance to come in. Um, if he comes straight in after eight weeks, that means we've had a terrible season next year. So, oh, yeah. you know, that that's just... We, I think we still have to look at Dougal Howard as a guy that's going to play the vast majority of his games in the SNFL next year, oh, unless sure. we have a season from hell, which we could do. Look, I, the, the main thing I want to see is no repeat knee injury. That's, that's mm. number one on the list. Number two, I honestly think... I don't think he'll get a game next year. Uh, unless, as you say, we, we've got some horrific sort of injury list. I can't see him getting a go next year. I think they're going to put him in cotton wool a little bit. I reckon he might um, start playing a little bit later than that, maybe after the bye or something like that. And I yeah, think maybe. he'll play out the season in the SANFL just to make sure he gets through the year and, and then he'll go bang in uh, 2018. Yeah, I mean, in part, it's going to depend on what happens with Frampton and Lobby, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. Right, next player is uh, Aaron Young, who um, is a little bit yeah. older, I guess, for the for the players in this, this list, but he's uh, 23 years old, sixth season at AFL level. He went from super sub to superstar in 2016 in, in some aspects, uh, played 21 games, Kicked uh, 37 goals, averaged uh, 16 touches, three marks, two inside 50s, and three and a half tackles a game. Porsche, did you see this coming for Aaron Young? No, no, totally didn't. And when it started coming, I didn't think it was going to last. And it had a bit of a falter, but it sort of came back a little bit. Um, To be fair, his peak performance was probably in the first half of the year. Um, So whether it will continue next year, I'm not sure. I think... This is probably not the time to talk about it, but if we're talking about players that you'd say are at a bit of a peak in their career and that you might say, hey, maybe we can trade him, he's a guy that would be in that category as far as I'm concerned because I'm not so sure he'll be able to back up again next year after everyone's had a preseason to tear him apart. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, this season was fantastic. He really came out. We've been talking about in previous seasons about how he really just needs to claim a position. Um, I know at the start of last season we were talking about what position would be his ideal position. We're saying, oh, probably in the centre. We were wrong. It's forward. <laughs> so exactly right. <laughs> well, look, he looks so impressive as that, um, you know, as that sort of uh, inside mid that could stand up in yeah. tackles, get his arm freeze, and actually. Uh, dish off a, a creative handball. And there wasn't really many other players in our side doing that. Well, obviously, we had guys like Boak and Gray that can sort of break free from tackles and run off with the ball, but someone that could sort of stand up and, and do the hard nitty-gritty. Um, yeah, he was someone that I guess uh, was showing a bit of potential, I guess similar to what Archie showed last year as well, I guess. But yeah, he kicked wow. 27 goals in the first half of this season. Yeah. Who ever saw that coming? I mean, he kicked 37 goals for the year. I reckon that's about 35 more goals than what I expected him to kick for the season. I, I had no... Uh, I honestly didn't know what to expect from him this year. I, I was surprised he was uh, he was kept. I think we tried to trade him. He wanted to stay. We couldn't find a, a genuine suitor for him. I thought, oh, look, he's going to play out the, the season in the SANFL and maybe get delisted at the end of the year, but... Uh, he was the big surprise packet. Yeah, and look, I mean, the thing about him is that he actually performed at a time when our, our side was not. So yeah, that was that was pretty good too. Yeah, um, he stood up in a, in a couple of big games and, uh, and yeah. stood up in some losses as well, which was good. Yeah, absolutely. And for forwards standing up in losses, like that's where you really measure their their guts. Yeah. Um, and so that's certainly good to see in, in that regard. It's not good, never good to lose, but it's one of the nice things you can take out of losses is if the forwards stand up and they still get their goals in a loss, then at least they're doing something. Yeah. Well, he was a sub in 21 of his first 42 games before this season. He'll go down as the most vested player in the AFL's shorter dalliance with the sub rule. How important was it for for his psyche and, and confidence knowing that uh, once in the side he was going to get a full game? Um, I don't know that that's a real factor, but I think that spending that long on the precipice of playing would have changed his motivation when he finally got his shot because he would know that there's no half measures anymore. So there's, there's no, oh, it's okay, put the vest on, you get to play a quarter. It's like I'm either in or I'm out. Yeah. Um, and so that makes it that makes that whole that whole thing about being on the fringe really black and white. And as the player that's been in that position, um, I think that he probably would have had a better view of that than anyone else in you know in our, our club. And that's probably part of why he came out and he thought, well, I've got to claim that spot because otherwise I am nowhere. Yeah. Um, so I think he did that. I think that's exactly what happened. I guess the biggest question for me, probably the biggest question of any player on our list um, going into next season is, can Youngie back it up next year? I'm not convinced, but maybe. Um, what, it, what would be a pass mark for, for Youngie next year? I don't know. I don't know because if you ask me in January, I might be able to tell you, but right now there's just so much that's got to change about our list. Uh, we don't know if we're going to maybe get in another key forward, which will impact his opportunities in the forward line. Um, are we going to bother getting in another key forward, in which case he might have more opportunities? Mm. Um, you know, are we going to bring in small forwards that can deliver the ball? And that might change because then maybe we'll actually hit Charlie Dixon in positions where he can mark, and maybe his marking will improve in the off-season and he won't be taking them flat-handed. Um, it's a lot of things that can impact on a small forwards game. Uh, so really... Um, I would not be willing to say what we can reasonably call a pass mark for him next year, which is a bit rough. But the coaches are going to have to make up some sort of KPI, but even they probably won't do it until January. So you know, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly interesting. I, I'm not sure he can um, back it up. To be honest, I think that was as good a season as we're going to see from Aaron Young at AFL level. And look, if we had plenty of options in that sort of role, I would say yeah, put him on the trade banner because you're likely to get more value from him this year than you're going to get um, at any other stage. But you just never know. I, I would love Youngie to back it up next year more than just about anything else, I think. you know, I love seeing players break out, and I love them being able to keep at that level. Just like Robbie Gray. I mean, who thought that Robbie Gray would become just about the best player in the AFL? And he's managed to keep that for for around about three seasons. So, Yeah, but yeah, I'll, count you, I'll, I'll count you Robbie Gray with a Matthew Bode. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, you know, we traded him out at that peak, and then we got Sean Berg on out of that. So, yeah. um, you know, it goes swings and roundabouts. Oh, for big... sure. Well, I guess the other big question is: Will the return of Gus Monfries affect his role 
um, next season. Is he returning? And in what capacity is he returning? I think he's got a, one that... Doesn't he have a contract for next year? Nah. Didn't he get nah. given a one-year deal? I don't believe so. No. Nah. Um, and I had a feeling he, he does. given a one-year deal. Well, even if he has, then there's still that big question mark about how he's going to come back. And, you know, like, we don't even know who's going to look on the first day of preseason at this point. Um, so, I, I don't know. He's been, self, he's been self-managing his fitness. That's hugely important to his role because we know how much his run was a, a huge part of his role in particular. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's a huge question mark over whether Monfries will be playing next year. So. Mm. Even if he's in, the, even if he's on the list, that's fair. That is fair. Right on to our last player, Tom Cleary, twenty-two years old, uh, fourth season on the list. Played nine games at AFL level this year for ten disposals, four marks, and seven and a half one percenters per game. He also played eight SNFL games for eleven disposals and six marks. Um, how was Tom's year? I reckon he would have been so stoked that Jackson Trengove went into Ruck this year because that, that's that's what got him his games and that's what gave him this opportunity to show he can play a bit of football. Um, so I think, again, similarly, he'll be hoping that Jackson stays on a second Ruck next year, you'd have to say. Uh, but he came out and, he, you know, he was a bit ordinary, I think, personally in the first couple of games. But he, as he stayed in the side and as he got to actually have consistency in the number of games he's played and play them in a row, which he hasn't had in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he really developed as a footballer. And look, some defenders are like that. I mean, we've had them before. Daryl Wakelin was a player um, when he traded to us, and that was, you know, when he was still mid-career even, that he would have to usually take two games after injury to get back to his best um, yeah. just to get used to the pace again. And it could be that Clary is just one of these players that takes a little while to get fully settled uh, in, a, in a side after not being in it. So, yeah. Um, that's okay. That happens. But I, th- I thought his finish to the year was really good. Um, and that's why he's in this six. So yep. there we go. Oh, look, it certainly showed a lot of promise. I thought mid-season he looked at, at all sorts. You know, his SNFL form was probably not as good as what it could have been. Um, he wasn't getting a go at AFL level. You thought, well, is his career going to peter out a little bit? But um, lucky for him, we had some injuries down back. And uh, he certainly impressed once he got into the side um, through that second half of the season and played nine uh, consecutive games. I guess uh, my first question is, um, same question I asked with Logan is, uh, can you see Tom becoming a long-term player for Port Adelaide? Uh, I can see him becoming a long-term player for someone. Um, whether he will be a Port Adelaide player or not, that's, I think that's probably a bit iffy. I think he's in that category of tall defender where you might say maybe he might be the sort of player that could be traded at some point. He is a more replaceable kind of defender, I think, than Austin is likely to be. Yeah. Um, in that he's he's close to being exactly what you want, but he's not quite there. Mm. Um, and that means his form in a given year is going to be a huge part of his, um, and his commitment in a given year is going to be a huge part of his value, I suppose, to the side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, I think he's probably got an AFL career in front of him for sure. Yeah, look, I think he's probably 10% away from having a, a consistent AFL career and whether he's got that final 10% in him, I'm not too sure at the moment. Um, I think there's there's areas where he needs to improve. I think he needs to improve his um, his consistency. I think his uh, mental application, uh, contest after contest. I think he needs to improve. Can can maybe be a little bit loose when he needs to tighten up. Um, do you think he can add a bit more of an aggressive attacking part to his game? As he sh- like he's shown that at SANFL level in, in previous years that he can create, can run off, can rebound really really well. Can he do that at AFL level? Look, I don't know, just because we haven't really seen it. We've seen him do a couple of good attacky things uh, late in the season. Um, but until that becomes a consistent thing, or at least the attempt becomes consistent, then it's hard to judge on that. Um, I am not sure that Port Adelaide's the best club for him now. Mm-hmm. I think he needs to be at a club where he'll get to play 22 games next year, and I don't know that he'll get that at Port. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. I guess that's my next question is, uh, again, similar to what I asked with Logan, does he play round one next year? I think he's behind Logan. If you're looking yeah. for young guys to bring into the side and how Tringove gets played, um, whether we keep Jonas around, is Homsch ready to go? I think those would be huge factors for him um, because he is competing with Homsch and Jonas, um, where I think Austin isn't his really of those. He's probably only competing with Tringove. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's probably... 
he's in a he's in a, he's got a tougher tougher job to get in that first twenty two next year. Yeah, I think he's in a similar boat to um, O'Shea and Stewart of previous seasons, where he's kind of either just in or just out. He's, mm. he's probably not going to play every game. Um, he might be a bit unlucky. Uh, if things don't go his way, but unlike those two, I, I don't think he's the sort of player that might hang around. I think he might. I think he's got the potential to play regular AFL footy for someone. As you said, I, yeah. I'm not sure whether it's going to be with us or not. Um, but I, I'd love to keep him for another couple of years. I think he's still got improvement in him. I think he can become a, a reliable player. Um, I, lo- I really do like the way he goes about his footy. So I guess that's um, something we're just going to have to wait and see. I kind of think if um, if okay if I was his manager, I would absolutely be talking to clubs like Gold Coast and Fremantle um, about you know yeah. hey maybe maybe we can get him in here and um, he won't he won't cost too much but he'll if you keep him in there for twenty two games he'll become a better player because he 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 needs that he'll need that consistency I reckon he's that kind of player yeah um, so yeah Ryan Pillars had a good comment Tom Harley Mark two which is exactly right yeah it's a good call. That's a good mm. call, that one. Um, oh, look, mid-year, I thought, he's gone. He's definitely gone. Like He's either yeah. going to be delisted or asked to be traded, no doubt. Because um, he could probably play a lot more footy for a few other clubs out there. Yeah. Uh, but look, lucky he got nine nine games in a row to end the season, and hopefully that's a good uh, springboard for next year as well. Absolutely. Look, I mean, if he, if he plays really hard in the SNFL and if, we get unlucky with injuries and he might come in and play a few games but I guess I would imagine he might be in and out of the side a bit and that might not be good for him yeah right on to our questions Hmm. Uh, the first one is from the Beard Amigos who asks uh, which one of those players has surprised you the most with their output this year Uh, I think if I'm going to say who is the most surprisingly consistent it's Darcy Byrne-Jones if you're going to ask me who is the most surprising top end performance it's Jarman Impey Okay, I think uh, for me, even though Youngie had a year out of the box, which no one expected, I'm actually going to go with Dougal Howard because I thought... Yeah, you sound like a Dougal fan. (laughs) Look, I thought there were some real core issues with his game in his debut year, but uh, they were all answered this year. He looked more athletic, which I had big problems with in his first year. Uh, He showed more pace, good skills. He attacked the ball really aggressively, uh, showed he was a good mark. It showed that he could also play as a ruckman, which I didn't think he could um, in his debut season. I thought he was just going to be a stay-at-home full forward. But uh, So, yeah, he was the big shock for me. And um, as we said, yeah, a bit of a pity he went down, but um, hopefully can, he can get back up there. Yeah, hopefully. I've got to say that does surprise me. Um, maybe you're right. I don't know. I, I, I'm still seeing him a bit differently to you there, Macca. But that's okay. We're different people. We don't need the same brain. That's it. Definitely. Mm. Uh, Wolfie1870 has asked, uh, white or wheat? What is that in reference to? I assume it's about bread. Ah, ah, okay. Uh, Sourdough. Okay. (laughs) Because I'm a hipster. (laughs) You're a hipster, that's it. (laughs) Have your sourdough bread and your T2T. Yeah, look, Sado's really nice. Um, it, is. And I, it is. It keeps all right and it stays a bit crusty on the whole and doesn't take much to just bang it in the oven for a couple of minutes. It goes a little bit off. Yeah, yeah, and it's nice to toast as well. Like, mm. you know, if, it, if it's just a couple of days old, you sort of cut off these big, thick bits and it's really filling. Oh, I really like Sado. It's, it's really yep. good. I thought this was about like German beers or something, and I'm thinking that's a weird, obscure thing because I know okay. my dad's my dad's my dad's really into the weird German beers, and it's like I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm assuming this is about bread. I could be completely off. I, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I love bread. Bread is one of my absolute favourite things. Uh, from white to rye to to grainy to sourdough, I, I love it all. A good grainy loaf from a, a country bakery, I, I don't think can be beat. Um, but uh, for a more sort of commercial bread, I love the farmer's loaf from Baker's Delight, which is a, a white bread. It's a small loaf, but it's ridiculously fluffy. It's almost too fluffy. It's uh, it's really, really good. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think probably the only kind of bread I don't particularly like, um, and that's if you use, try to use like normal bread, is probably Vietnamese bread. Um, but in banh mi's and things like that, where you just totally loaded up with filling, it's okay. But, yeah. you know, you, you, can't, you can't treat Vietnamese bread like it's, you know, a sandwich bread. It's not. No, nah, it's not. It's not at all. Mm. Right, Needs Gravy uh, has asked, what happened to the Sizzler restaurant? Look, 
I know it's been answered in that thread, but they are still alive on the Gold Coast. Um, yep. And they speak to an Australia that is very Queensland. Uh, mm. I think that's why they're still on the Gold Coast. Um, I don't know anyone that didn't like Sizzler. Like everyone talks about, this yeah, Sizzler. I want to go to Sizzler. And like every time I used to drive down Green Hill Road, I think, oh, I wish Sizzler was still there. That'd be really mm. cool. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. They should they should make a comeback. I reckon there'd be room for a franchise of Sizzler to come back. Like if they could be, I don't know, like if you had a Sizzler, I don't know, on just off O'Connell Street. No, not O'Connell Street. But if you had one around that sort of Bank Streety area, um, just putting a sizzler in one of those spots there, like that'd do so well on footy days, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would, absolutely. Yeah. Well, there's actually still uh, 20 sizzler restaurants across the country. There's 14 in Queensland, there's two in New South Wales, and there's four in WA. Where are the two in New South Wales? Because I bet it's right at the border, Tweed Heads it, or something. It's on the website. Um, I can't be bothered opening it and answering that question, but it is, um, yeah, I mean, there's still quite a few around if you live somewhere else other than Adelaide. I'm not sure why it didn't work in South Australia or why they uh, decided to leave here. Uh, But look, I used to go there in school holidays maybe once or twice a year growing up and, you know, miss the French toast and the potato skins and they did an awesome chocolate mousse from memory as well. Yeah, yeah. I think most people kind of moved on from the all-you-can-eat smorgasbord-type places, though. I mean, I can't think of one that's around at the moment. No, well, I mean, the only one I can think of is probably the Buckingham Arms in Walkerville, Um, the smorgasbord they do there all the time. Mm. Um, And there's probably a couple others around the place. I think there's one in Finden that does a smorgasbord. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't don't know why it didn't work or maybe... You know, the public just moved on from that with uh, you know more sort of healthy eating options and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I do miss that cheese bread. That was uh, incredible. Yeah, look, it was pretty good. Um, we've got a comment from Ryan Pillar saying, didn't they do a Parmesan toast? And yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, there was that whole food bar trend for a while. There wasn't, the, you yeah. know, that whole... No, it wasn't just Sizzler. Um, no, there was. There was, uh, there was a lot of smorgasbordy type places um, around... Uh, in that sort of mid nineties, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, there we are. That's your answer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Needs gravy is also asked what makes or breaks the salad bar. Croutons. Croutons. Yeah, I love them on a the salad. Right. Oh, look, croutons <laughs> on salad is incredible. Got yeah, to yeah. There. Like if there's no croutons at salad bar, it's like eh, I can do this. But yeah. then they had croutons. It's like oh, croutons. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. Uh, well, obviously, quality is uh, is paramount, and also well, yes. options, I think, as well. And look, a good sneeze uh, guard, I think, is <laughs> is also yeah, pretty yeah. handy as well. Uh, but look, I think a good salad bar um, at a pub, I reckon, needs a, a few different, or well, well, wherever, I think needs a few different loaves of fresh bread that you can slice yep. up yourself. I reckon that's, oh, uh, yeah. that's important. I think it needs to have a good uh, two or three fresh salads. A good pasta salad as well is a must. Uh, then a couple of hot options as well, including a potato bake. Has to have a potato bake for me. And I think the other thing is that the counters need to be high enough that anyone under the age of eight can't reach them. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think that's kind of the line there. Like if, an eight, if, it's, if a seven-year-old can reach into the salad bar, like I don't want to eat from that salad bar. <laughs> Very true. Um, Russell Liebert Handball was asked um, what our thoughts are on supposedly chasing the Hawks midfield coach Damian Carroll, given we've only recruited late as, uh, as we'll only uh, have a role working with Ports Ruckman. Uh, that says to, to him that there is another coach to come. Um, I don't know anything really about him, but if we can bring over Liam Shields, I will be so psyched. <laughs> Well, if, if he can bring over anything to do with Hawthorne's uh, midfield structures... That no, 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 no. Be careful. Don't get Billy Hartung. <laughs> oh, I said structures, not players. Okay, right. Cool. Mm. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I just want to make sure, get that out there. I don't want Billy Hartung at Port Adelaide. If he comes over, my brain will explode. I don't mind Billy. I think nah. uh, I think he's almost there. Nah, nah, no. Nah. Well, he he's might a bit, be, he's a bit I'd like, like a chihuahua, to, but... I'd like him to be almost there somewhere else. Thank you. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Robbie4pm has asked, uh, it looks like we're going to go to the draft this year with Robbie, Ryder, Westhoff and Boak all over 28 and probably having between two and four years of AFL football left. When is our premiership window? Uh, probably 12 not... months ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know about that even. Um, I think that we have seen with the GWS and even the Bulldogs now the depth 
of talent you need in your first 22 um, to be that genuine premiership contender. Like we, we, We're talking about, oh, this is a wasted season because we could have nipped up there and jagged when it's like, yeah, right. If you're going to make that the way you win premierships, you're not going to win premierships. Um, you've got to you've got to build the, the the power side, and if we're talking about that, then that's probably I reckon that's got to be five years away, doesn't it? Yeah. We might we might we might have a finals appearance in that time or two. Um, we might have a couple of really shitty seasons, but if we're going to be that side, we're five years away because we've got to turn over the two thousand and six mob basically, yeah. um, and let all these long contracts expire, and probably get in a new coach, um, and more importantly, bring in the young key position players of genuine height, so no recruiting third tools that are going to play for 10 years because that is a development position and that's something Westhoff has robbed us of, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, We need to recruit those genuine key position players. Um, There's a lot of variables with this. I think if the status quo remains and we don't make a lot of serious changes uh, to our list, I think our premiership window is right now. Uh, which means that we're probably not going to get one. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's more like it, yes. But we've got, I would say, if things stay as they are, we've got until the two th- end of 2018 to win a flag, I think, with this current crop. If we do go down the trade path and we do say goodbye to someone like Hamish Harlett and Matty Loby and maybe Matty Broadbent and do hit uh, the draft hard, and if that draft does come off and we do get a lot of quality players from that draft... Um, Maybe it might be extended a little. You never know. If we can get three or four good players this year um, that can take the pressure off guys uh, in that uh, older age bracket, then it may just work. No, 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 no. We cannot be recruiting players hoping they're going to pull us out of a short-term shithole. I'm not talking that... about a short-term shithole. I'm talking about doing what Hawthorne did and doing what Geelong did. Getting hopefully drafting three or four super quality players that can play 250 games and be full-time premiership players. Yeah, but how long after that they were picked up were Geelong good? Well, Bartell was a 2001 draft, wasn't he? Or how you long know? after they were picked up were Hawthorne good? Within about three years. Oh, that was pretty exceptional though. Can happen. It can. And they had three first-round picks to get their buddy Franklin and Jared Roughhead and Jordan Lewis. And they were all top 10 picks. We're not going to get that. Well, that's what we're trying to do with Hartlett, isn't it? Yeah, but we're not going to get that. We've got one. We, we want that second top 10 pick. Yeah, but that was three we're talking about with Hawthorne. And that was on top of getting Sam Mitchell as a second round of the previous year. And of those Hawthorne picks, they were picks two and five and ten. You know, we're not going to get close to two and five for Hamish Hartlett or either of them. We won't get in the top Believe, four. Porsche. Believe. I do believe, and what I believe is that we're not going to get a top four pick for Hamish Hartlett. No, look, what I really mean is that I think if we can get three or four young players to come in, I think we have a chance to win a flag before 2019, and then maybe have, similar to what Hawthorne's done really, have that little gap, and then hopefully push super, super hard for regular premierships from probably 2022 onwards, I would say. If we don't win a, a premiership with this current crop, as it stands right now, I think we're probably looking at being, I would say, eight or nine plus years away from winning one. I'm not sure that I agree, but I think that we might be eight or nine years away if we don't commit seriously to what we're doing. Hmm. I, I think we, can, I think it can be shorter, but it doesn't get shorter by half measures. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Ryan Pillar said that I'm hurting his heart. I'm sorry, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to the next question, yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Look, Dylan has also said uh, Hawthorne didn't have to contend with the super beast of GWS, which is probably true, so... Look, honestly, I'm still hanging out with GWS for Leon Cameron to be exposed, so that can be a big factor. I think the thing with GWS is they're not going to be able to keep everyone. They're going to continuously lose players due to where they are, um, due to not being able to uh, afford them um, in time. Uh, I don't know. I, I still think that uh, the uh, GWS Armageddon isn't going to be as huge as what some people make it out to be. But I think that the GWS Armageddon is 
entirely going to be down to that coach. Mm. I think if Leon Cameron shows it, if if Leon Cameron is true to his form as a former Bulldogs and Richmond player, um, then I think that there'll be some horrible loss along the way, then that'll be the start of the exodus. Yeah. You can't really go by that, though, can you? No, not really, but you could. Because that was that Clarkson did nothing for North and Melbourne. Yeah, <laughs> but more... He's become but, the best coach of the modern era. So. But by comparison, like, Alistair Clarkson was pretty integral to our premiership win, and I don't know that Leon Cameron was particularly integral to anything before he came in. Mm. True. That's true. Mm. And and Alistair Clarkson coached the Central's Premiership as well. Yeah. What, no, you're what's right Cameron done? You're so right. it's it's a bit of a difference. But anyway. Next question. Come on, let's get back upbeat. I know I know we dragged everyone down there, but let's get, get back into it. Got any more no, questions? I think that's it. I think that's oh no, we're gonna finish on the low note. That's terrible. Yeah. Oh well look, here's a good one from uh, from Ryan on the uh, Big Footy Forum actually that I've just seen. Would you oh. rather go through life with a perpetual cold sore on your mouth or go through life with a booger hanging from your nose? <laughs> God, um, uh, cold sore. I reckon. Oh no, they both be terrible. Jesus, that's awful. I'd no. probably go the booger option, to be honest. Oh, that'd annoy the hell out of me. And also, don't oh, forget that when well, you're trying to sleep, it, is it itchy or is it just sort of like there that people can see? I just assumed it was like a dripping tap. <laughs> I assumed it was just like a hard booger half sticking out your nose or something. Uh. So people will sort of look at you, recoil and sort of say, mate, you need to uh, wipe your nose a bit. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they will say like thinking about the, the booger one though, like how, how will you sleep with that? Like you could sleep through a cold sore. I don't yeah, know. I, could, but... I don't know that I could sleep through a, a permanent wet booger. But then people are going to say, look, mate, you've got the herp. Yeah, but that's sore. like, yeah, I suppose... I don't know. It's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> That's a tough question. Yeah. Look, you can't... <laughs> Ryan's actually also said, cold sore, you wouldn't get people giving you a kiss for fear of infection. And that's true. You can't infect someone with a booger. Yeah, but with the cold sore, you might be able to avoid the cold sore, but you can't avoid the booger. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame it on the herp. Don't blame it on the booger. That's great. What a question. That is a great question. I know, that's a terrible question. And what a note to finish on. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> that's gold. Oh, dear. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, hopefully it was entertaining. Uh, we will be back once again next week uh, for our third group of players for our player review. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Porsche, for coming back on. Thank you. And, look, I just want to put a thing out there for anyone that does live in a state with a sizzler in it. Um, go out and take a photo of yourself having uh, a mule sizzler in your pork guns and you put it on the podcast thread. That'd be really good. Yeah, do, that. do it. <laughs> I'm sure we've got some Queensland listeners. Oh, well, Port Adelaide, it's our biggest, third biggest group, isn't it? The Queensland supporters. So, um, yeah, should be a All chance. eight of them. Well done. Oh, there'd be a few. There'd be a few up that way. The mm. big migration. Anyway, yes, let's wrap it up. Thank you, Macca. It's been fun. Done. Goes forward again for Port Adelaide. No laughing matter for the Roos. Treadray. Oh, don't tell me. Oh, Treadray!